and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Chalkboard. I'm Katie, and this is a space where we aim to build community among faculty and educators, inspire innovation, and share new technology-based teaching strategies. Thanks so much for tuning in. On episode four of Beyond the Chalkboard, I met with Amanda Bickle from Business. She provides insight on how her faculty team develops and improves Moodle sites for their courses within the business program. Amanda also shares some innovative tips and tricks she uses to further enhance her students' learning experience. From tabs to code names to Moodle moments, the strategies Amanda discusses will not only help you set up a more intuitive layout in Moodle, but also can help you save something most of us are constantly searching for, which is time. We start off with Amanda explaining her current role as faculty in the business department at Kwantlen Polytechnic University. Well, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I teach third year courses in the Bachelor of Business Administration. Uh, the courses I teach are required by all of the BBA programs, so marketing, entrepreneurial leadership, accounting, and human resources management. Uh, and I'm the teaching team lead for those courses. So we have uh, teams of really skilled, qualified, engaged, brilliant faculty uh, that work with me to uh, make sure our courses are consistent since we serve so many different programs. Uh, wow, that sounds like a lot of work. It is, but I've got great people to work with. So. Um, if you looked at it as one person doing it, it would be a lot of work. But when you've got a great team, work gets done really easily. I bet. And we were actually chatting about this before. When you have somebody new that comes to the team, it sounds like it's a much easier transition for that employee. We like to think so. Uh, they've got lots of support uh, in that there's always someone else teaching the course at the same time they are. So they can bounce ideas off of each other, check in about, you know, am I grading this correctly? Am I using this correctly? Um, or, and they can also offer us new ideas so that when we bring a new faculty member in, one of the brilliant things is that they've come right from industry normally. And so it's a good check for us to make sure that we're current and still, still doing what we intend to be doing. That's really, really important. Yeah. Uh, so you've been teaching here for the last 10 years. And I'm really excited to have you on this podcast because after having a few conversations with you and learning about how you integrate the learning management system, so our Moodle, with your courses is absolutely phenomenal. I'm honored and flattered. Um, the, the Moodle systems that we use, we never thought were revolutionary. They just kind of evolved again as a team, um, adding little pieces to it over time and perfecting, making better, changing, experimenting. Uh, and so when, when you said, wow, this is really different, it, it was shocking to me. And I guess that's part of what's really great about programs like this, where we can see what other people are doing and really recognize the greatness that we have here at KPU. Something that I love about Moodle is that it's more than just an information sharing site. And that's actually how I started utilizing it because I didn't know. And I was just trying to get by when I started. So I thought that it was more, you put your course presentation up there and then some articles. And even just by talking to you, I've learned that there are so many more opportunities for us to engage our students and help them 
learn the content and interact with each other. So I'm really excited to just talk a little bit more about some of the things that you're doing on the business side of things and uh, learn a little bit more about the potential that we could use with Moodle. Sure, I think that it's a natural place to start for faculty to use uh, Moodle as a communication or file sharing service. And it evolved from my Kwantlen, I think, in that the utility that was available with that, the predecessor to Moodle for us, was really pretty well just that. And so as a replacement for my Kwantlen, Moodle as a file sharing or communication service is great. But there is a lot more that can be done with it. And I, in our classes uh, at third year, they're pretty well workshop driven. So all of the class time is around developing skills or practicing or working in teams. Uh, and so it's really important that students are able, willing, and interested in becoming prepared to make the most of that class time. And so, yes, we could use Moodle for just posting readings and those sorts of things, um, but that's not as engaging as some of the other things that we like to do. So over time, we just kept asking that question, how can we make sure that students are ready to engage in the activities and ready to experience the things that we've planned for them? And building over and over and experimenting with new tools has been really useful. And so now, um, I use my Moodle sites to make my life easier and to make students' life easier. That's the, the criterion of when we're looking at how can we change this and is it going to make things easier. So I try to build tools and systems that are there that allow us to communicate effectively and efficiently and also allow us to have kind of a, a single virtual learning space where we can get our course information, we can talk to each other, we can build that learning community outside of the classroom so that we're never left alone in that really critical period between classes when students are exploring new material for the first time or reflecting on things we've done in class. So for me, Moodle's about extending the classroom experience and extending the learning community in a meaningful way. Why don't we just jump right into some of the things that you use with Moodle and some of the tools that are embedded within Moodle that you can utilize that have been helping your students keep that course organized and extend that learning experience that you've been talking about. Sure thing. So the first thing is the way we organize the course. So the course is organized not by weeks or by topics, but instead um, we ask the question, why do students go to Moodle? And so using the one topic function, we've got tabs in our site. I think there's about six in most courses, and they, they really answer questions that students might have. So the first tab we call Course Central. And so if I need to know about official course information, where do I go? You go to Course Central and you find things like the course presentation and schedule and that sort of thing there. Many times students will come to Moodle because they need help. So we just made a tab called Help. And in there we've got forums where they can ask me questions, they can ask each other questions, they can book office hours, they can find my contact information to text or email or whatever they might be. Uh, then we've got a tab called Forms and Resources, which is all of our course materials. So it's our ebooks and course guides and kind of the assignment instructions, rules and regulations, that sort of thing. 
and then two more, uh, one for submitting individual work and one for submitting teamwork. And so by having that structure around tabs, it makes it easier to find things based on the purpose or the intent for the person going into the site. And practically, most of our students are using Moodle over mobile devices. And so having to scroll through 14 weeks of content to get to the thing you want to find can be really frustrating. And so this means that each page that a student is accessing isn't as overwhelming. And if any of you have tried to use Moodle on your phone with all of the blocks and everything, if the, if the page has a lot of content on it, it can be really frustrating to get to the bottom. So uh, just trying to make things easier. And when you were showing me your Moodle course, basically the tabs line up like, it's almost like a file folder. So it's at the very front or the very top of your Moodle course, and then they're organized, organized by those tabs. Yeah, it looks more like, um, it's more intuitive like a, a web page is, where the, the main titles are across the top or down the side of the, of the course to get to the various different topics or areas that you're looking for. So yeah, we find it useful. I will say functionally, when you're developing your course though, uh, it's better to have things in that topics format because you can drag items from one topic to another. But once you have it in one topic with the tabs, you can't move things back and forth. But So you kind of do your planning and reorganizing uh, on your own in the topics format. And then when you're ready to launch, you can switch in the main course settings to one topic and it automatically sets up folders. So, so you mentioned that it's just a something that you can flip from your regular traditional, just each topic goes from top to bottom to the, this tab. But how do you do that? Because I, I thought it was maybe in the in activities, and then you go down to the resources, but it wasn't there. So can you share that with us? Yeah, for sure. So the default setup uh, or course format when you get your course, for, when IT sets it up for you, is in topics format. Uh, so to change it, you go to the main gear wheel in the right-hand corner of the screen, and you go to edit settings. And then in the third item down, so it starts uh, general and then description of the course, and then it has a, a course format title. And right at the very top, it says format, and the drop-down menu there gives you a variety of options. And the one that creates the tabs across the top is one topic format. So you can set your course up in topics, so you can drag things back and forth and reorganize, and then flip to one topic to see how the tabs look. Uh, and then if you want to rearrange and edit again, you can flip back to topics and it's pretty seamless. So, And it's not gonna, you're not going to lose anything. You're not going to lose anything. Beautiful. No. Okay, so one topic format. So we will make sure that that goes in the podcast notes if anyone's interested in trying it out because I think everyone should try it out. <laughs> So tell us more about some of the tools that you use in Moodle because I think that you use a variety of tools and I mainly use assignments submission. So I love using assignment submissions so I can give feedback online, but I know that you use a few more. So tell us about them. Yeah. So we, we've developed all sorts of things. We've got, I mean, we have content, of course, most of our content is now organized in the ebook format. So the course guide and e-texts, so content that the faculty team have written to replace uh, textbooks or online uh, resources, 
is in an ebook format. And the advantage to this is that it can be printed by students. They can export the entire thing as a PDF and have a printed copy if they want to. Uh, but when they go into the Moodle site, there isn't reams and reams of content or titles or files. So it's all consolidated into one uh, format. It has a table of contents. They can jump back and forth. You as the instructor can release parts of it uh, throughout the semester. So in my organizational behavior class, I set them up to have experiences. And so I want them to have just enough information to have the experience, but I don't want to debrief the experience ahead of them having it. So I don't release all of the pages of the book at the same time. So that's, uh, that's one of the ways that we've been able to make things a little bit more user-friendly. So we've created this Readings Resources in Pre-Class Work ebook, and each week a new page opens up in the book that says, here's the recap of what we did in class, um, here's some new things to think about now that we've done this activity, and here's the stuff you have to do to get ready for next week. And so it paces the course and creates scaffolding without making the whole thing overwhelming uh, as it would be if students came in all at once to see it. So the ebook has been used that way and also as a course guide. So in my other course, in the business analysis and decision making course, uh, there's a course guide that kind of outlines expectations for assignments and grading rubrics and those kinds of things. And so that guide used to be printed in the print shop, and students had to go and buy it. Uh, and so we don't have them buy it anymore, and we don't have to print it. And if there's any changes that we want to make on the fly, we can. And uh, so again, that's another ebook tool. So that's, uh, that's how we've been using that. This semester, uh, we've introduced more surveys to the course. So using the survey tool, I can get information about uh, where students are uh, coming to class with what kind of skills and what background. So we've just completed the professional skills development workshop with Leslie McCannell and Christina Page. There's my pitch for that. Everybody needs to go to that. Uh, and realizing that we are making a lot of assumptions about what students bring in when it comes to skills and content. And since third year courses, we're kind of expecting them to bring forward information from their prerequisites. Um, that, that assumption is sometimes not particularly valid. <laughs> so, you know, it could be a long time since they took those prerequisite courses or that part was really difficult for them, but they, you know, passed the course anyway, but they never really got that one bit. So in order to just really know where everybody's at and make sure I spend time in the right things, we have a pre-assessment survey which says, you know, do you recognize this thing? How comfortable are you with it? And then I can take that data and decide where I'm gonna put my emphasis on my in-class activity and instruction. And two, the results are shared with students so that they can see they are not the only one who forgets how to do net present value or they are not the only one who has never seen a Boston Consulting Group matrix. So there's um, reassurance and validity there. So the surveys are anonymous, uh, and students can hopefully give that information honestly, knowing what its purpose is. So that's a new thing. We're going to try that this semester and see how that goes. But I'm looking forward to comparing the differences between my sections. I've got a couple of each. And I can see what I need to customize and what I what I can appreciate is consistent, so. 
So those surveys are specific to the class of what kind of sustainable skills you would need to be successful in that course? Sure. So you can, um, I've got two different versions. One of them uh, for the business analysis and decision making course, it's a course that requires students to synthesize from all of the functional areas of business where they've studied at the fundamental or introductory level. And so it's a lot of information to have mm. to bring together. And because you've learned about marketing and marketing class and accounting and accounting class, you sometimes don't connect how accounting and marketing come together. And so not only do they have to remember those concepts, but then we're asking them to relate them together. And that's a big ask. Mm -hmm. So if students don't remember the content in the first place, then moving to synthesis is impossible and overwhelming. So knowing what they know, I don't have to review that. Knowing what they're struggling with, I can spend time reviewing and bring them together. So it's about making the class time and workshop time more effective for that particular group. And with classes of 35, different times of the day, different campuses, they're different. Mm -hmm. And so what works in one class might not work in another, and this just helps me make informed decisions about what I'm going to put in there. The other uh, survey is more on skills development and less on content. Okay. So we're asking students to write reflective essays. They may never have had a reflective learning experience before. We're asking them to submit things in PDF. Do they know how to convert things to PDF? Um, do they know how to use virtual meeting conferencing apps? Do they know how to use shared document applications? Like we, we have all these assumptions that they know how to present, they know how to cite in Chicago style. They know, you know all of these yes. things that can be burdensome to figure out if you, number one, don't want to admit you don't know because I, as the instructor, am expecting you to know them. And two, uh, need to put a lot of effort into figuring out these things that really aren't about the learning outcomes. So by knowing what those things are, I can hopefully eliminate some of the barriers and they can focus their energy on the learning outcome stuff and mm -hmm. not the construct of the assignment. I worry about the time it might take you to get everybody up to speed. So is that plan time that you're going to plan in class, getting them up to speed, or will it be more outsourcing and saying, here's some resources, I need you to, uh, you know, because it is anonymous too. So I guess you'll be able to take the survey results and say, okay, there's some, some issues with this area, so I'm gonna provide some resources, or because overall, there is the majority of students are struggling with this. I am going to take some time in class because at the end of the day, it's going to be much better to meet your outcomes if we address these gaps. Yeah, I, um, and we'll have to see how it goes. Remember, we're, this is a of huge experiment. There's no telling what I might get myself yeah. into, but uh, I think it's worth it for the integrity of the learning experience. And yes, if I see there is a smaller group that is needing support, then outside resources might help. Mm. When it comes to reviewing the content, the, the amount of time it takes to say, remember, this is how this thing works, and now this is how it relates, really doesn't add a lot mm. of instructional time to the workshop activity that we're doing anyway. And since the class is 
mostly workshop driven and not a lot of lecture, there's time for me to wander around to different groups and see what it is that they are struggling with at that time. So having the heads up, I can then ask better questions when I mm -hmm. visit each of those groups. So, Well, I wish you luck. Let me Thank know you. how it goes. <laughs> we'll report back. <laughs> <laughs> so you did mention a little bit about reflection. And I think that this applies to many different disciplines. Coming from nursing, we do have our students do a lot of reflective journaling and reflective pieces. So why don't you tell us and share with us a little bit about your take on that and how it's integrated into business? Sure. So the organizational behavior course is really about asking students to understand what they bring to their work life as a team member, as an employee, what are their uh, strengths, what are their weaknesses, and what kind of impact do they have on others? You know, what's good about them that makes them a great leader? What can they work on to help others in their team be more productive? Uh, so that requires a lot of soul searching. And so the class activities are intended to um, have students experience things where they may be really comfortable or they may not be very comfortable. And then in order to make that useful, they need time to go away and reflect on that. So we developed a reflective essay and learning journal assignment. And the first iterations of this were well-intentioned, but nearly uh, killed all of the faculty. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. So the students had to submit learning journal entries and each of them, 10 of them throughout the semester, oh, and each man. of them were about you know 500 words. And so there was all of this reading and reading and reading. That's a lot of reading. It was a lot and of And a lot reading. of marking. Yeah. And then those learning journals are synthesized into reflective essays. And initially there were three of those. And so it was just impossible. And so, you know, we, we did a, a reality check on that and said, okay, this is crazy. This is a lot of work for them. We're making them put their learning journals into written form. That might not be the best for them. We're making them do them in English so that we can read them. Do we really need that? Like, do we really have to see every single entry? And we decided that no, it would actually be better if we didn't see every entry and that, um, they could be more honest with themselves if they knew I, you know, I'm not going to look at it. Uh, and they could then think more deeply, we hope. And they can have them in their own language and they can make them, you know, recordings or they could do video. They could do, you know, any number of things. They could just write them out in a notebook because they don't have to hand them in. So it was more important that they make the journals and reflect than it was make it the way I wanted it. And I didn't want to read them all. I didn't need to. <laughs> so, but we still wanted to make sure that they were doing them and that they were on the right track. So we integrated a Google form, which is a, a survey that Google uses, and created six simple questions. The first three require uh, students to select from a drop-down menu. Uh, they talk about things like they have to choose their code name. So one of the challenges with using tools like Google is, of course, the privacy concerns. Mm -hmm. And so I needed a way to know which student was answering the questions but not convey any personal information. Yes. So I create code names for every student based on pulling letters randomly from their name. Uh, and present that to them in the first week and say, of course, you know, if 
this doesn't code name doesn't suit you. Give me another one. I don't care what it is. You know, it can be applesauce. I don't care what it is. <laughs> as long as they're different for everybody in the class, and I have a, a way to a key. A, yeah, a way to sort it out. Um, so the first question asks them to identify their code, and then it has them choose uh, what kind of activity sparked the journal, whether it was a reading, an in-class activity, or so on, uh, and so on. And then there's three sentences required in the next um, three questions, so one sentence each. And this just lets me check that they are doing journals and that they're keeping up because they need them for the assignments that are worth a lot towards the end. And it also is a check for uh, post-assessment. So I have a quick understanding of whether the way they're applying it or the way they've interpreted the concept is appropriate or not. Uh, and it's also for me as a, a way to see what parts of the course are really having an impact uh, to make sure that we keep those things in. Uh, so the surveys have been really useful. Each one of them is worth half a percent. They're marked just for completion. The results from the Google form then go into a Google Sheet, which is like an Excel spreadsheet, and I can sort it by um, student or by their code name. I can sort it by type of topic, so I can look at, you know, what are students saying about the reading assignments, for instance, in the course? How many entries were inspired by a reading versus how many entries were inspired by a class activity, and so on. So it provides a, a lot of utility for us, and that's embedded right in Moodle. So one of the really neat things about Google is it makes it really easy to use HTML. So when you go, you make your form in Google, and then you choose the send button, and you have options as to how you would send your survey. You could email it, you can you know, send a link, uh, but there's also those little uh, triangles that uh, are the like pointed parentheses that tell you you can get HTML code. And if you click that, it gives you all of the HTML code you need. And then you go into Moodle, you create a new page, you give it a title, you don't have to put anything in the content box at all. You click the down arrow on the main menu, which expands the menu to give you other options. You click the HTML button and you paste that in there. And when you save it, lo and behold, your survey is now right within Moodle. And it looks like it was always there. And you look like a genius. And it's, so, <laughs> it's so easy. You don't so, need to be a coder. No, just copy and paste and it's right there. And so. That's, uh, that's important to me because I don't want students to feel like they have to go to a lot of places in order to do what we're doing. So this one is embedded right within. So yeah, it, it's, been, it's been pretty good. The only downside with it is that students don't have access to their answers after the fact. Mm. So if they don't keep track of their journal, I do have students saying, you know, how many have I done and did you get that one? And so, I do have a little bit of correspondence around that, but it's not hard. I can filter the spreadsheet that it creates and say, oh, look, there you've got five. I can even do a screen capture or print their section and send it to them if they need it. So, Wow. I love the embed button. It's brilliant. You can put all sorts of great stuff in there like that. We'll get some instructions for that if you're interested in this, because I also use this um, and I integrate an app called Padlet. It's an awesome resource. It's basically an online bulletin board. And I embed it right in so it looks beautiful. And it looks like, yeah, you're a genius. But really, it takes 
three clicks and then you have an, an interactive bulletin board for your classroom. So if you want more information about that, I'll share the link for that as well. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say, like, when we're talking about embedding, there's, it's a little bit different than complete integration with Moodle. So when we talk about integration with Moodle, it's you can actually select from the assignments. Those assignments and those activities are completely fully integrated. However, there are a lot of safe options that you can actually embed them and that make that learning experience that much better for your students. Yeah, there's a lot of resources available widely, particularly with the open educational resources movement, that you can um, not have your students have to go on a scavenger hunt <laughs> to find all of the things that you want them to look for, uh, but by creating a, again, I'm about easy and I want them to absorb as much as I can, so setting the buffet and making sure everything is at one table is really important to me. And at the end of the day, we don't want them spending time on those kind of things, accessing resources. We want them to engage with the content and that the learning outcomes are really our priority. Right. Yeah. You've done an excellent job of protecting your students' privacy because Canadian law does have much stricter privacy and security features that we need to abide by. And so I think that's really, really important. I'm going to actually provide another link in this podcast of a checklist that I've actually created using a few different resources that will help. If you're looking to integrate a new application um, into your Moodle or into your classroom, that helps you just, it just asks a few questions that you should consider before including it into your classroom. So I'll share that as well. And I think it's important to bring it up with students. So they are quite quick to, particularly in group work, they use Google Docs a lot to, you know, build collaborative projects and papers and so on. They uh, use WhatsApp to communicate. Uh, and I'm not always certain that they appreciate the privacy considerations. So even by discussing it openly in class, it's a way to start talking about that concern. I think that's so important because I feel like there is not a lot of education or knowledge surrounding your privacy. No, and it's not that there aren't resources out there. It's just that they, they're digital natives and they yes. have been doing these things and taking this um, utility for granted. So, um, yeah, when you look at it in that professional context and our learning environment and so on, I think it's important to share that value. So. I think that's another sustainable skill that we really need to build into our students. Sure, that digital literacy for yes. sure. Yep. Digital, yes, you're speaking my language, Amanda. <laughs> One other thing I wanted to just mention about Moodle is these Moodle moments. Can you give us just a little insight on this? Because I think this is a, a fabulous idea. So I, everything I've learned about Moodle, I have learned from someone else. So thank you to all of the people who have been willing to share. I mean, we, start out, uh, we started out with Moodle going to the workshops when it was first introduced at KPU. Uh, and you know the IT team was great at really supporting that. But after the functionality of the thing, you know, this does this and that does that, and this is how you do things, the, the real art comes from, okay, now that you understand the functionality of that tool, what can you do with it that's meaningful? And so in the marketing department, we decided that we would spend a few minutes with each of our department meetings 
just sharing a Moodle moment, a, a thing that we, and it could be something wonderful where you tried this new tool and it saved you a lot of time or students really liked it. Uh, for me, the rubric uh, functionality within assignments was an enormous time saver that came from a Moodle moment. It could also be something that absolutely failed horribly. <laughs> like, you know, warning, don't ever try to do this. It was a nightmare or I really need help fixing it. This was my intent. Where did I go wrong? And but just by taking 10 or 15 minutes each meeting, we learned a lot about how our colleagues were using Moodle effectively. We got things fixed for each other. We established some best practices amongst the team. So uh, that was one way we've learned. Uh, the other way we've learned is that we're really open in our teaching team with sharing the Moodle site. So we have a development site for the course and we upload a version of it there and the team fixes it for the next semester and then we share it widely. Of course, everybody makes it their own. They customize it and put their own things there, their own slant on things. But all of that work is then available to everyone who joins and because you might not be as familiar with Moodle when you come into the team. Seeing how all of these things have been set up creates inspiration to move that to your other courses. So I think that sharing has been absolutely invaluable. And I feel that we should do that in every discipline. I'm going to bring that back. So we have our end of semester meetings where everybody comes together and we chat about how the semester went and I think that's a perfect platform to have that. It doesn't need to take long. 10-15 minutes, quick shares about what you're doing, even pull it up so people can see and just be inspired or also we can try and help and, and build that team, team atmosphere. And if it is something that's really cumbersome to build, you can always back up just that part of your site and then give the backup file to whomever you're sharing uh, with, and then they can restore just that single part into your site. And so you don't have to do all of the construction yourself. And so for people who you know, don't have the patience, inclination, interest to build things mm -hmm. from scratch, because it can be cumbersome, you can take one that has been started and then fix it. So if the pre-assessment survey for my course has most of what you want, but not everything, we'll start with it and then just edit accordingly. And it saves everybody a lot of time. Mm -hmm. I think this is a, actually a perfect segue into just if you're going to share something with your colleagues who are listening or anybody who's listening, what would you suggest if somebody is looking to try some new technology or try something new in their classroom? I would say just give it a try and see what happens. I'm an experimental type person. Uh, there are some caveats to that, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, I would back up your middle site before you start blowing things up. <laughs> then if it uh, you know, goes really awry, you can just say, oh yeah, I'm going back to the way it was. Um, also for my assignments, when I think, oh, it would be really cool to have this as a database instead of a forum or whatever, I always keep the original, so sometimes I'll make a copy of the original assignment and then edit the copy, keeping that backup hidden so that if it doesn't work, I can always revert back. Um, just to have those things there, and then if after a couple semesters you're okay with it, you can delete it. So I, my Moodle sites have 
lots of things that are there kind of as a repository for me uh, in, you know, so that students don't see them, but they're still there for me if I need to fall back on them. But otherwise, just give it a go. And I also think it's important to share with the students that this is the first time I'm trying this. Mm -hmm. So this semester with the uh, professional development, uh, or sorry, professional skills survey, I have said to students already in my introductory email to the class saying, this is something new, we're going to see how it works, let me know what you think. And I have found in the past that when you're open like that, uh, they really embrace that. They see you modeling this learning behavior of experimenting at the risk of it not working. Um, and it's important to, they, they sometimes do have a little bit of concern that my experimentation might impact their marks. Mm. And so it's important to say, look, this is a new way of submitting it, but if it doesn't work, your grade is never going to be impacted because, I don't know, you couldn't submit your assignment on time because I had a setting wrong or something like that. So it's a give and take, but it's part of that open, authentic relationship and culture that I try to bring to the classroom. So as I say, I found students really open to this and it helps me to to demonstrate to them that I too take risks and I'm okay to say, yeah, that didn't work at all, never doing that again, or that didn't work, but I can see how we'll fix it. Um, it's, been, it's been the way things change, so got to take a chance. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that the role modeling aspect of you experimenting in class and being uh, humble about it and just saying, yeah, this, this could blow up in our faces and that's okay, but I really think that importance of stressing the grade piece, because that's really, really important to the students. Sure, my, my risk taking shouldn't impact their grades. That's, you know, par for the course. So yeah, I, and there's lots of ways to get around uh, those things to have a backup just in case. I like the backup plan. Yeah. You can always have something in your back pocket to, to slip in if something doesn't go the way that you planned. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming and chatting with us about the way that you're using Moodle in your classroom. I think that there's some phenomenal ideas that you and your group uh, in the business program have developed. So thank you so much for coming and sharing all those ideas. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. I look forward to hearing the other podcasts. Yeah, and I look forward to hearing more about how that survey works out and how you are adjusting more in Moodle. Will do. Um, I will report back. Amanda, thank you for sharing some of the strategies you and your colleagues in business are using to bring more unique and innovative experiences to your students. You and your team have demonstrated some incredible forward thinking in your Moodle site development that are making teaching and learning more streamlined and intuitive for both students and faculty. If anything we talked about today sparked your interest, I highly recommend taking a look at the podcast description. I've included some step-by-step -step instructions on how to embed an educational app into Moodle. The instructions are specific to an app I use in one of my courses called Padlet, but the main principles to embed are still there. I also encourage you to take a look at the resource I posted titled the EdTech Tool Checklist. This is a short guide to help you select the best e-learning tool for your classroom. It's based on the rubric for e-learning toolkit evaluation by Lauren Anstey and Gavin Watson. It provides criteria to help you determine if the EdTech tool you want to use is the right tool for your intended outcomes while still helping you consider vital aspects such as the privacy, security, and accessibility of the app. Again, 
Thank you, Amanda, for taking time out of your teaching schedule to share some things that you're doing differently. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and learn from you.